0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nutrition
1: Uncovered. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is another episode of Nutrition Uncovered. I'm Zoe. I'm joined with Sarah, Lori, and Wendy. So we are going to talk about TikTok trends or social media nutritional trends that we've been seeing and we're just going to either debunk some or um confirm a few so we're going to start off with creatine it has been seen all over social media and people have been using creatine as an extra um, protein supplement to specifically women to like grow their glutes or to build muscle um, and I wanted to ask Wendy to start if it was essential for us to use creatine to grow our muscles.
2: Sure. So creatine is a is an amino acid, um, and actually it's a non-essential amino acid because our bodies can create creatine too. So we can create between one and three grams of creatine just daily um, without even taking any. Any amino acids or protein in or animal protein in every day. So our body is actually capable of making creatine. So you know, we really don't need to take an additional supplement. Now, if you are working out, um, trying to build muscle, um, whether you're male or female, then you may have some additional needs for creatine, but you can actually get those from having some protein in your diet. So for example, having, you know, Two, two medium-sized chicken breasts is a great way to get in some creatine. Um, if you're plant based, there's other ways to combine, to combine, excuse me, combine plant-based proteins and get that those amounts in as well. Um, and your body will make up for that, what you need, um, if you're not getting it from your diet. So I think that's important to know. I did have a patient once that came in, had a history of kidney stones and I was looking at the diet and it turned out Um, he had been taking creatine because he was, he had lost weight, but was trying to build muscle. Um, and it wasn't a high dose. It was like, you know, it had been higher, like 10, around 10 grams per day with a supplement, but went down to five grams. But even that looking at how much the body, because he didn't need that was having to actually rid that. Um, and when that happens, when you have too much of something and it has to filter through the kidneys, Um, that can have a buildup, especially someone who might be genetically vulnerable to kidney stones that can actually build up and create um, stones. And that's very painful. So um, that was, that was really essential for me saying, all right, we have to cut this out. And this probably will help with um, minimizing or eliminating the kidney stones altogether.
1: Okay, sweet. So now we know that we don't Really need to take an extra creatine supplement, and we can just, you know, get it from our foods, which is what we should be doing anyways. That we want to emphasize to all of our listeners,
2: right? Um, um, me too Zoe, I forgot to mention when you yeah. take a supplement, you're only absorbing around twenty to thirty percent if it's in the supplement form, versus if it's from the food, you're absorbing sixty to seventy percent. Oh, so it's more bioavailable
1: if you. Take it through food.
2: Okay. Yeah, exactly.
1: Sweet. Okay. Well, I know that was a huge question for a lot of people. So I'm glad we cleared that up. And, um, this next topic, I think Wendy and Lori can chime in because, um, Lori knows a lot about sugar-free sweeteners and, um, she makes a great sugar-free treats and everything, but I definitely want to talk about the processed sugar-free sweeteners like, um, like Truvia, Stevia, those kinds of things. So if you guys want to take away that topic, we can go into that.
2: Yeah. So the sugar-free sweeteners. So I have a lot of patients come in and, you know, they're using, um, you know, like a Gatorade zero or they're drinking diet sodas. They're having light and fit yogurts. um, You know, they're having you know, salad dressings that have, you know, zero grams of sugar in it. And so when you're looking at that, there's a lot of substitutes that could account for that. So aspartame um, and sucralose, which is Splenda. So you have a lot of these that have been around for a long time. Um, And then you have some newer ones. So like you have monk fruit and you have Stevia and Truvia. So when you're looking at the data, When you look at some of these artificial sweeteners it's doing a couple things one is that we've just found out recently is that the artificial sweeteners like um, aspartame and sucralose actually change the microbiome of your gut so they're actually um some of them are actually created from bacteria and so when you introduce that to your gut on a regular basis it's going to change the bacterial balance of your gut and not in a good way is what we have found so That's one thing. The other thing is your body actually thinks that it is sugar. It's very confused when you put it in your mouth, which is the first place. This is where digestion starts in the mouth. And your mouth is kind of sensing what you're eating so that your body can be prepared. So your body thinks it's sugar. But because artificial sweeteners are like a thousand times sweeter gram for gram than regular sugar, then your body is thinking, oh, she's getting ready to have this like huge hot fudge sundae with cream. Um, and you're really just having like a diet Coke. So the body's prepared for this high sugar content. So it starts releasing, um, from the pancreas, these beta cells release insulin, but they're releasing a lot of insulin. And then the blood sugars aren't going up because you just had a zero, zero sugar or sugar-free soda, for example. So because of that, your body has to respond by getting the blood, you know, releasing glucose from the the muscles and the liver in order to get that back up. So what we're looking at is kind of a, like I always explain it as like an engine that you're revving and then you're slamming on the brakes. And maybe in that day you're saving 120 calories, but in the long run, you're really burning out your engine. And that is going to over time lead to insulin resistance, which we know is associated with obesity, diabetes, heart disease, et cetera. So um, there are some that I do, you know, I do like to recommend for patients, and one is stevia. So there's some actually good studies with stevia, and that's really made from a plant. So, but the less processed, the better. So if you could do like a liquid stevia, no alcohol, that's what I use, um, versus like Truvia, which usually has some a uh, you know, product added to it to make it so that you can use it. So, but I do know that Lori makes some really good mock sweets. So Lori, can you tell us what you use?
3: Yes, Wendy. Question. Um, just a question on erythritol, erythritol, and I don't even know if I said that properly. Can you just speak to that, and then I. Yeah.
2: So erythritol is a sugar alcohol, and I think it gained gained a lot of popularity with the ketogenic diet. So a lot of people, you know, even I've tried making some of these products before too, where you're making, you know, a dessert, and instead of sugar, you're adding a lot of this erythritol, which is a sugar alcohol. So. Basically, a sugar alcohol, anything that ends in OL is a sugar alcohol. Um, And it's really like a sugar and an alcohol. So we don't see necessarily the blood sugars go up because there's some malabsorption of that. So some of the side effects with sugar alcohols can be like gas, bloating, distension. So it can, again, disrupt kind of the microbiome and digestion, again, in the long run. And we really don't know the long term effects of a lot of these they you know in small doses it's probably having minimal effect right like we we have xylitol has been used for many many years um, as like a natural antibacterial but you're just using a tiny little like mint um to kind of clean the teeth like over in europe they do that but these massive amounts of these sugar alcohols we do know like a sugar alcohol will kill a dog right like if you're sugar-free gum and the dog eats it or sugar-free chocolate yeah sugar-free candies it will kill a dog they also use uh, sugar alcohols as a you know to kill flies and different pests and stuff it is like a natural pesticide so when you're looking at these like massive amounts that we're using that go undigested undigested to the gut affect the, the bacteria balance and you know we just don't know so i would say try, you don't need to have like all these like desserts and stuff and still have your way, you know, you, if you want to avoid sugar, still follow like a whole foods diet, um, where, you, you know, if you're using, if you really want something sweet, try to go for a whole food, that's going to give you that sweetness, for example, a piece of fruit. So, but Lori, when you do want those sweets, sometimes you have to have them. So can you tell us like, again, what you like to use when you're making those?
3: Sure. I make, um, so I use honey and maple syrup. When I'm baking, I use the maple syrup. But when I, because if you bake with honey, it just turns into sugar when you heat it at that high heat. So I use both of those. And you know what really sweetened things is bananas. So if you make bananas really ripe, but I have these great cookies I make and it's two overripe bananas. You just mash them up with a cup of oats two tablespoons of nut butter and then you can throw a little teaspoon of maple syrup but you really don't even need anything in it it's so sweet now you can i put some of those enjoy life dark chocolate chips they do have pure cane sugar they don't have a lot but it's all natural it doesn't have anything artificial but i just learned that my husband is uh sugar cane is something that affects him so last night i made the cookies and i used the 100% 100% cacao nibs, and I made it. And you know what? They don't taste like the dark chocolate chips, but they're good. They're a little crunchy, So, but there's no sugar in that at all. So that is a great option. And then I make, um, I, another thing you can sweeten with is the medjool dates. Uh, that's a great sweetener. And you can actually make like a mousse with that, with the dates takes a little bit, you need a food processor, but I have so many recipes I could talk for the next hour. So I'll just stop here.
1: I really, I need you to make all those desserts and bring them into the office because I still need to try your banana cookies. Yeah. And I'll <laughs> next time we'll, we'll, we'll try them. Um, yeah, so if anyone needs any sugar-free, recipes go to Lori she has all of them um and then kind of weaning off of sugar but kind of staying in the same realm there's been another trend about 10,000 calorie cheat days or some people do 6,000 I'm not sure but the last one I saw was 10,000 calories Where pretty much they wake up at 6 a.m and they go to Starbucks and they start this one girl that I saw got three venti or four venti frappuccinos that she was going to drink throughout the day and then she you know got like mcdonald's and kfc and cake and just like all the processed junk food you could ever think of and the rest of the year or however long she does this she restricts and has a really strict diet but she does the 10,000 calorie cheat days I guess, to feed her cravings, but I assume that she doesn't feel that well after. And (laughs) I was just wondering, I want to ask Sarah. Obviously, like, that is not ideal to do a 10,000-calorie cheat day. But some people say, you know, oh, it's better to do one day when you're cheating than to just have a little bit of, like, I don't know, like chocolate or whatever, when you actually are craving it. So I want to know your opinion, Sarah, on that one. Yeah. So that is pretty excessive.
0: (laughs) If 6,000 calories, 10,000 calories, that's a lot that like, when you put that into perspective, a pound is for calorie wise is 3,500 calories. So you're essentially eating two, three pounds of calories. So not to say, you know, I think this is a, yeah, it's kind of, it's very strange because for one, it's setting up bad habits. So to, you know, when we think about health, we want to think of a healthy lifestyle and that's eating healthy year round, allowing for cheat times, you know, quote unquote, when it's a birthday party, Uh, when you were out with the girls, you want to have a glass of wine, like allowing for things like that, that's living a healthy lifestyle. That's allowing yourself to have these things that you crave without overdoing it. Because overdoing it right is not going to leave us feeling good (laughs) to eat six to 10,000 calories after you have restricted for one, you know, your stomach shrinks. So if you're restricting throughout the year and by restricting, you know, either not eat like, you know, avoiding certain food groups or just eating healthy and restricting by not having unhealthy foods, cake, cookies, those kinds of things. Either way, to eat that much is going to stretch your stomach, it's not going to feel good, you're not going to feel good, especially if you've been eating very clean and you go ahead and have fast food with those greasy, you know, fries and greasy burgers and those kinds of oils can be very inflammatory, they can wreak havoc in the gut, cause, you know, leaky gut, not to say that doing one day of something like that is going to cause it, but it's just not something, it's, it's very excessive. So In in short, I guess, you know, doing something like that, it's not going to one day of eating six to 10,000 calories is not going to give you heart disease. It's not going to, you know, give you diabetes right away, like those kinds of things, but it is creating bad habits. And I would almost categorize it as an eating disorder with eating disorders. We have binge eating where it's restricting and then binging, you know, and then can be you know throwing up after, but even just that binge habit is, is an eating disorder, same as restricting is an eating disorder. So for your own mental health, I would say not a good thing for your own everyday life. And, you know, restricting throughout the whole year and only allowing this one day or however often it is, it's not good for your mental health. It's not good for you physically. It's not going to equal disease right away, but things like that, you know, depending on how often you're saying, you know, 10,000 calories every two weeks is okay. Something like that. It's definitely going to lead to disease ultimately in the end, but yeah, mostly for your own health, mental health, I would
1: say not a good thing to do. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, like when you brought up the mental health aspect, I didn't even think of it as categories, categorizing it as like, in eating, dis- or eating disorder tendencies, but, like, when you think about it, it is, like, binging. Yes. But when you're restricting and it's teaching people, oh, you can restrict all year or whatever, like, to the extreme because you have this 10,000-calorie day. Right. Like, probably not a good idea. Is this
2: idea. A, um, are they having the 10,000-calorie binge, like, how frequently? Or does it vary depending on – it depends on
1: the person this person I think they do it every
2: like six months I can't imagine like restricting for six months and like like having that one day like every six months where you like been like (laughs) you you have to wake
1: up at like six six
0: a.m. I wonder that like also where did where does that goal come from like I'm gonna wake up early to eat (laughs) instead of like yeah. just naturally waking up and saying you know today i'm going to have whatever i want but to like force calories and to set times to like i'm going to wake up at this like i i get the cravings for these things but there's even with like again back to the mental there's no like satisfying like you know is it that's where it becomes more of like a mental thing where it's like when you eat the donuts when you drink those four starbucks when you have three cheeseburgers is it satisfying or is it more just like you're allowing yourself this day? And yeah, Lori, I'm sure you could probably like, as far as health coaching goes, yeah, I'm sure you have a lot to say on how, you know, just these habits are, are not a good thing.
3: Right. And I think it's, it all depends on the mindset, right? Like you were just talking about well, how often are they doing this? Is this just something that they look forward to and plan it out? Yeah. on you know, the first day of March every year or whatever it is, I think it's really if we knew more about what their planning was, then you could Mm -hmm. really understand what where the mindset is, because it seems kind of, you know, different to to choose this way of eating. But I I would have to know more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, too, just kind of to touch on excessive eating. So six and 10,000 seems crazy, but I would say even 3000, like, you know, if we're eating 1500 calories to 2000 calories a day, like based on your activity or even more, but if it's, it's even double just what you have, if you eat 2000 calories, you're having 4,000, like it's still just excessive and, and a lot. And again, just not good for your mental health, not good physically. So it doesn't have to be 10,000 calories, but even just eating that much is, is not good. I do agree
2: with the cheat, like for some people, I like the cheat day and it really does like help them mentally get through, but Mm -hmm. usually it's like one day if they can handle the day and it's like not excessive. It's like, still be mindful about what you're eating, but have a little bit more freedom with it. And if you're going out with your friends, like don't, you know, don't obsess and, and hyper focus on something. Um, or sometimes for some people, like they just need one meal a week and that allows them to do it. But when you look at the calories, like your stomach does shrink when you stop eating so much food. So I I don't even know how, like, like you guys were saying, like the stuff, like how they can even handle that, the volume of food, like where they're not growing up drinks
0: and stuff too. Like, it's not so much. The volume, I mean, it's still volume, but it's like the sugar, the ingredients that are like high calorie,
2: too. Right. Like yeah. You can do that, yeah, with like the venti and the, yeah. with all the sugar. And That's stuff.
0: probably like, yeah, four of them are a thousand calories, 2000 calories in itself. Like,
1: right. like I think one is
0: almost a thousand.
1: What's wow. that? I think one venti, I have to look it up. Yeah. It's, it's 2000. Like, yeah. close to that. So you got like almost four thousand right there, but yeah. If it was me, I personally just want to like when I am craving chocolate, just like have chocolate, <laughs> right? Not like that one day to have yeah. like everything. <laughs> Allow that's healthy.
0: That's a healthy lifestyle. Allowing for it when you really want it, just having a little, not overdoing it, and going back to healthy eating, and not you know harping on yourself for having it, not you know stressing about it, just get back into eating healthy and live each day like that.
3: And I do think sometimes people, and I'll give myself included was with sweets, like I am challenged with sweets. So I had to get to a point where I only eat them at certain times. And I might look forward to that day where I have sweets and I do keep the healthy eating, but I do eat a good amount of sweets when I'm having a sweet day. It's nowhere near the range of the 10,000 calories, but I think some people look forward to that. And I know food rewards are not something that we we say is uh, beneficial, but sometimes it is beneficial if somebody is staying away from it and eating healthy and they look forward to, okay, I'm going to have that cake, whether it's a birthday party or if they're just going to drive to the store and, and and get a piece of cake um they look forward to those treats and living a healthy lifestyle is something that we all you know as proponents of of eating that healthy lifestyle but having that little cheat day or cheat meal or something is i think as long as it's not excessive then it's still staying within the the healthy guidelines
1: yeah no i i agree as long as you know you know and if you come to with and do an appointment with us and you'll know for your own lifestyle what's good for you just had to plug us a little bit but moving on this kind of comes with it there's a flat tummy um, brand but people have been mixing I just saw this I saw this like five times on my feed but they juice like half a lemon and half a teaspoon of coffee like the instant coffee i think and hot water and mm-hmm. say if you drink it in the morning it gives you a it's like a flat tummy tea now i don't really know any of the mechanisms behind this but i wanted to ask sarah like what why do they think this works and does it work does it not
0: yeah So what I can tell you from this is what I know about lemon and coffee and how that can really affect, you know, your metabolism and, um, your appetite. So for one lemon can being acidic, it can actually curb hunger and it also aids in digestion. Just when you have lemon, it can stimulate digestive juices, digestive enzymes, and that can help to better digest food. So if you're not having anything in the morning and you're first starting off with something like lemon, it can be very cleansing in that way. You know, also very high in antioxidants. So, starting off your day with some lemon water is great. You know, even hot lemon water can aid in digestion just a little bit more, just that warm, um, the temperature can, can make a difference. With coffee, coffee also is an appetite suppressant, having caffeine in it. Coffee's good, you know, high in antioxidants, not great for our you know, acid reflux patients or you know, just keeping it, you know, it not even just acid reflux, but too much caffeine can create adrenal fatigue by stimulating your adrenals constantly throughout the day. So it is good to have a cutoff time with coffee for that too. But just the fact that coffee has caffeine in it, it can stimulate your metabolism and give you that you know flattening tummy feel. Coffee too on the other hand can you know for some people it can cause a little bit of IBS i have you know quite a few clients who need to just stay away from coffee the reason some people do it too on the other hand is it stimulates your gut as well and and can help people to have a bowel movement in the morning so that's how it speeds up your metabolism it can get things moving with coffee so you know from my own personal experience coffee you know having lemon water i because it's first thing in the morning i do feel like you, you haven't put anything in your stomach, it does give you this like lighter feeling. It's not, it's very cleansing. Um, it can also, yeah, help go to the bathroom. So maybe that flat tummy is coming from, you know, stimulating everything, going to the bathroom, you're gonna feel a little bit lighter. But that's what I, you know, know about it. And I would say it's, there's nothing wrong with doing it. Um, and if it makes you feel a little bit lighter in the morning, something, you know, gives you a little bit of a boost of energy, it's not going to harm you in any way. Other than that, I don't know that it's really going to aid in any weight loss if that's where, you know, people are doing. It. It's not going to lead to a flat tummy. It might make you feel like you have a flat tummy in the morning, is what I'll say.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't like burn fat itself. It just aids right. in you digesting and stuff like that. Okay. Yes. So it's good that we kind of cleared that because I think maybe people see that and they're like, "Oh my god, this burns my fat." And right you know, that's not and the key. It'll help with digestion.
0: It can speed up your metabolism a little bit with the caffeine, you know, just having a cup of coffee, but you can do that with some tea. Um, but yeah, it does, it will not equal having a flat tummy. If you just don't change your habits, your right. exercise and, and dietary habits, and mm-hmm. just do that in the morning. Uh, it's really a whole lifestyle. Yeah. Just an add on
2: to that. <clears throat> so I had a patient last night who Lori knows about, and we did a food inflammation test on him, and um, one of his sensitivities came back as coffee, which does happen every once in a while. And I've had
0: it just recently too,
2: for yeah. a client. Yep. Yeah. And usually, that client before they get the results back is like, just don't put coffees on my list. You know, I don't know what I'll do. I'll die. You yeah. know. And so, in this case, this was a GI patient with. Um, Kind of chronic SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, like gas pain bloating on a you know, very frequent basis that is treated with antibiotics, but usually returns. So we did a fit test. So, but we just got the results back and reviewed those. But coffee was on there, and this patient was drinking a lot of coffee, like started the day off with coffee and kept drinking coffee like through the afternoon. So because that was kind of the first thing that was introduced to his body in the morning. So for some, you know, so again, personalized data, you know, you can't say across the board like, you know, one thing is going to work for everyone because you do have those individual patients who have their their own kind of biochemical makeup and it doesn't mix for them. And in this case, that patient like coffee would may would have
3: made his tummy bigger. <laughs> <laughs> he was patient, was bloated all the time. And the bloated came from first thing in the morning. He was drinking that cup of coffee. Okay. Yeah, so
1: it's very personal.
3: <laughs> yeah yes. If coffee comes back on my
2: fit test, I <sighs> I'm gonna die. That's what everyone's
1: <laughs> That's not real. Like I I love I need to have coffee, but
0: I have quite a few clients that have switched over and felt like good energy with, um, I don't want to say any brands or, but I will <laughs> like mud water
1: or just um, say mud water.
0: Yeah. Oh, Lori mushroom coffee it. doing, um, like greens first thing in the morning. It's mm-hmm. that just that high antioxidant, phytonutrient coming in and, you know, with mushrooms, I'm very intrigued with mushrooms. There's a lot that we don't know. And, you know, if you just watch fantastic fungi, the documentary, I think it's on Netflix. It was so good. It just opened your eyes up to how much we don't know about mushrooms, how much mushrooms have survived throughout the years and have this interweb, this really blew my mind, like this interweb connection underground where they actually can send signals to different air, like, you know, mushrooms over here that need the nutrition. So they're going to send nutrition over there. So they're very, um, they could they and a lot of them are have that anti
2: the anti-cancerous properties too we're gonna oh. we'll talk about lion's mane on another episode yes Our favorite mushroom enough of lion's mane? oh I mean, yeah
1: I,
0: they're definitely becoming like more popular people are seeing that mushrooms can really be beneficial in a lot of different ways right with focus energy but having those anti-cancerous properties so i don't you know having mushroom coffee in the morning, something like that, like it's worth it to try different things. Like, especially if you do have some of those IBS symptoms or if it came up on your fit test, I think what it does come down to is we kind of want something warm in the morning, like something like have that hot lemon water, have like a warm mushroom coffee, something like that. Um, And it's just kind of that comforting feeling. I love coffee too. And I know my clients are like, but the smell, like it is, there's like something about the smell of coffee. We're like we're a little bit addicted, but something else interesting I like found out recently is coffee. It, you know, it has caffeine, but it doesn't give you energy. It actually blocks the signals that you're tired. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. and maybe I, I should look a little more into that, make sure because caffeine does, you know, give you that boost, but that caffeine I think is what's blocking those signals. It's not so much an energy boost. You're just like I'm not tired. <laughs> so. I didn't know that. And you know, there's I I also from personal experience too having tea, green tea. I do find a more
2: sustainable energy throughout the day with tea. So there's something mm-hmm. to that as like, well. I like I agree. <clears throat> I think yeah. tea like for me too. It's it doesn't. It's not like that the like coffee where you get yes. like and then you crash. Tea does feel like it's just a mild like elevated alertness. Yeah, you know, I do black tea every morning. And um, and every afternoon, and I don't drink any coffee. I'm like a convert converted.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I need to, I need to
0: convert. And tea can be so beneficial in so many ways. Like just green tea in itself can help with gastritis. Like it's actually prescribed for like more a natural way if you have inflammation in your gut, and you know even just yeah you know, if you have acid reflux, your esophagus the green tea can be really soothing, very high in antioxidants and does have the caffeine too. So you're getting that boost. Um, but yeah, try
1: some other things and it can work just the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to combine the next two topics with the few minutes we have, but, um, let's talk about processed protein foods, like, um, protein cookies protein chips protein cupcakes um and that kind of goes with like the fat-free products like pb2 etc so whoever wants to start off we'll start off with talking about like the protein processed protein foods and then kind of move into the fat-free products because a lot of those are like fat-free so whoever wants to start us off with that one
2: you want me to okay no, oh. why not? <laughs> Okay. All right. So protein. So I'll just mention a little bit about the protein. The one issue I have with protein is a lot of times they'll add soy protein isolate to the product. So, you know, for example, a cereal that says like high protein cereal, um, you know, you'll, you'll look and at the ingredients and it's like soy protein isolate. I'm not a big fan of soy protein isolate. Um, I'm not like a, totally against soy at all. Like especially ferment organic fermented soy you know there's some great benefits to that but soy protein isolate um is like they've isolated this one piece of the soy plant and they've processed it and they put it in something to increase the the protein content and we have it has been associated with endocrine disruption so, so thyroid issues things like that so I'm a little hesitant about some of those high proteins if you're look you know look at the ingredients, make sure um, you know look at what they're using for the protein content. but if it's soy protein isolate, that's the one where I'm like, let's you know watch out for that um that's all I'll say about that one but as far as the fat free products, like okay, so I am a you know product of you know being a teenager and 20 something like in the nineties um <clears throat> And that was when like the sh- the sugar-free products were really popular. So one that is still on out on the market, like snack wells, for example. So everything was fat-free. So you have fat-free cookies, fat-free salad dressings, fat-free wheat thins, you know, which barely had any fat in them to begin with, fat-free yogurt, fat-free milk. So back then it was like, fat is so bad. Fat makes you fat. Well, now we know like things are a little different. Carbs make you fat. Fat doesn't make you fat, but and too many carbs, so, like healthy carbs. Okay. But too many carbs make you fat. So, um, <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, with, when you don't have fat in your diet, which is a, an essential macronutrient, or when you minimize it or limit it, you will be hungry. You will be so hungry because fat really satiates you. Um, and your body needs fat. And so when you're on a fat-free diet, it almost, you almost feel like like in this insatiable appetite. So you could eat like rows of, of snack well cookies and consume like thousands of calories and still be like, I'm still hungry. So without that fat, you're really not like, it's not fat takes a while to digest in your, your stomach. It has to emulsify. So that's a process. So even if it's a little bit of fat, it just, it stays in your stomach. It makes you feel full and satisfied. It also like does a lot for your body, your brain, your heart protect your protects your heart so but without it and then you have these really yummy like sugary cookies it's just like keep eating them away and before you know it you've consumed like massive amounts of calories and that will convert to to fat so you're really again doing yourself a disservice so you know have the real like i would say like have the product like the least processed the better so if you're gonna have yogurt it's okay to do you know a, a low fat or some you know sometimes even a whole yogurt is fine you're going to feel more satisfied you're going to have a smaller amount just naturally um you're not going to keep like craving more and more and eating more and more and consuming way too many calories
0: yeah i completely agree with that too and since we're on the tiktok topic as well i believe it was tiktok i saw it but someone was just comparing a protein cookie i forget the brand but to a mcdonald's burger And it's true. Like the, the burger had more protein, less carbohydrates, and of course, like no sugar. Whereas the protein cookie had like, you know, not as much protein as a burger. It had more carbohydrates because it's a cookie. It was higher in sugar. So it really does come down to eating more whole foods. You know, I do give some of my clients, um, Recommendations for protein cereals. They love protein, ste- you know, they are like I'm having cereal no matter what in the morning. Like there's a few brands that are out there sweetened with stevia that are high protein, high fiber. They're just a little cleaner. And things like that, like it's just supplementing, not having it a part of every day. I never, even with the a healthier cereal, I never recommend cereal in the morning. It's just not you know, go for the whole foods. That's, what's going to be more filling. It's going to have more protein. It's going to have that fiber and healthy fat. That's going to keep you full. That is so important. We need it right for every mechanism in our body. Our brain are absorbing nutrients, those fat soluble vitamins. Um, so really weigh your options and just try to go for least amount of steps from farm to table, which I'm not saying a McDonald's burger had less steps, but when you think even just having a burger over a protein cookie, look at, you know, look at the nutrition, look at the ingredients and you'll see it's really less for a whole food no matter what. So that's just my, my take on protein, everything. Cause I do know protein is going to be digested slower too. So that's why it can be filling. But if you're removing the fat, it's not going to be as filling.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I saw that TikTok that you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. um Ew. you know like I I was like a culprit too I was like eating those protein cookies and then I saw that tiktok and I was like oh my god wait <laughs> that's bad <laughs> um yeah so that's it for this episode I think we got a lot of info out so definitely like re-watch this or re-listen but um thank you for joining the RIMT team Make sure you follow us on Instagram. It's at RI Nutrition Therapy. We made a TikTok, is actually integrative nutrition therapy now at, on TikTok. And then um, our um, website is rinutritiontherapy.com. You'll see everything that you need supplements, making an appointment, programs, all that stuff. And we hope to see you next time.